ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Diet Time is here. That's right, we are talking 1986's Cobra on Kill by Kill. Well, greetings and salutations, Internet. It's your old pal, Patrick Hamilton, coming to you once again from either Venice or downtown Los Angeles, which are not next to one another. This is the Kill by Kill podcast, where we are dedicated to celebrating any film's least discussed component, the uh, characters. Then we're going to unpack all the gory details of 1986's Cobra in the hopes that uh, a random victim with no link to one another's death is just the beginning of the jokes that we can make at their expense. And as always, there's only one person that I trust that if I scrape her content off the internet, she will tell me what offended parts I can then remove the one and only Gina Radcliffe. How are you doing, Gina? I'm good. I I think you probably just baffled about 75% of our our listening audience (laughs) by going into this deep cut Twitter reference uh-huh. over something that has nothing to do with the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's get some personal things out of the way just to say, first of all, you're Rotten Tomatoes verified. I am. Basically. And yes. all downhill from there, baby. <laughs> Secondly, uh, another website uh, scraped, which is basically when you take someone else's review and puts it on their website word for word yeah i never i never happened to me it's very exciting i I sort of feel like i i've officially made it now you know all all i need all i need is someone you know creating a a twitter account that is impersonating me and and i have i i'm a twitter celebrity Uh, cross your fingers it's gonna happen any second now so uh before we get into cobra i don't want to alarm you gina but we are not alone that's right we have a special guest he is what I call a, a, a high priest of cinema positivity. Uh, he is Chicago's favored son. He is the high emperor of F this movie. He's the one, the only, and a kill-by-kill kill all-star, Patrick Bromley. How are you doing, Patrick? I'm good. Crime is a disease, and I am also a disease. <laughs> Sometimes diseases fight against one another and they <laughs> knock each other out. Like you put poison in to knock out cancer. Is that what's happening here? Yeah. I, I don't think any of us are the cure. If I was, I'm definitely the man <laughs> in the wheelchair just covering his face. <laughs> That's my favorite uh, character in this entire movie. Oh, I have so many favorite characters in this movie, <laughs> Gina. Uh, Patrick, before we go on, I just, I wanted to say, I, I have to get this off, off my chest. I don't agree with them bringing you in here, and I just want you to know that. (laughs) Uh, I have some sort of unintelligible response to that. Thank God for closed captioning, because boy, did I I miss some gems of comebacks that, that, that that he says in this. If you have a problem moving your lips... Is the solution to it adding a matchstick in your mouth constantly (laughs) that you have to keep in your mouth while you're talking, making it therefore even more difficult to talk? (laughs) It feels like that's an impediment to the job you have, which is acting, supposedly. Um, Everything about this movie is we don't know why it looks like this. It just looks cool. Yeah. Here's my theory. Right before we get into where we saw Cobra, let's just talk about it in general. Is he Batman? It kind of feels like he's Batman. He wanted to make a Batman. Yeah, 
because I mean, he's got a he, he's got a car. He's he, he's wearing he sunglasses have, he indoors. He does have a cool car, but not exactly all that. His, his apartment is kind of you know meh. I mean, which he's got a Pepsi sign outside of his, his, his lanai, man. <laughs> Wait, is there is there Pepsi product placement in this movie? Oh, uh, it's very subtle, Patrick. If you blinked, you would miss it. But then Rennie Santoni drinks a Coke. And there, and in the supermarket, the Pepsi is filmed right next to the RC Cola. Ugh. Certainly a brand manager lost their job <laughs> over this because Pepsi probably did not want to be mentioned in the same uh, breath as a Axe Cult's New World. <laughs> <laughs> or did they? That's a pretty, uh, you know, that's a, this is, that's a pretty distinctive branding there. Yeah. Well, I, they're the taste of a new generation. A new generation <laughs> wants to cut your face off with a axe. A new axe. generation of sweaty serial killers. <laughs> Can I just say that that I know for some reason we're obsessed with how sweaty people are in these movies. <laughs> this is yeah. our sweatiest movie yet, which is saying something. Yeah, we we talked about Amityville too, and that's some sweaty. That is a sweaty motion. That's a picture. sweaty. That's a sweaty incesty movie. Yeah, but I mean, like the 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 main villain in this, I I wish I could find out because he looks like he has stomach flu. <laughs> I mean, have you ever had the stomach flu? You got that kind of greasy sweat, and it's like, and, and you know what I'm talking about. And he just like like even rooms where where no one is sweating, he's like rivulets are just running down his face. He he's like producing his own ectoplasm. <laughs> It's crazy the amount of liquid coming out of him. And you would think that, that would deplete your energy at some point that uh, every fluid you have is going into sweating out whatever outfit you have. Even if you just put it on in the hospital, he sweats through that jumpsuit so <laughs> with, his, with, his, with his with his uh, his very clever disguise. Yeah, he's a real Clark Kent. That one. He just he just it, at one point when they 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 uh, hit the fire alarm. He just tries to blend, and <laughs> he's it's like, the he's funniest like, thing in this he's movie. He's like six foot five, <laughs> and, and I mean, I'm going to put it nicely. He's a very distinctive looking actor. Yeah. Um, and the fact that his disguise is putting shoe polish in his hair and wearing glasses is hilarious. In in the Robert Zadar scale of five Robert Zadars equaling one Robert Zadar. <laughs> He's probably four. He's a solid four Zadars. He's a solid four. I mean, he's a better actor. He's more versatile than Robert Zadar, who portrayed Robert Zadar in every film that he was in, featuring Robert Zadar's chin. But And yet uh, yet neither of them get anywhere near the Michael Berryman scale. No, no. That's a scale. That's a scale. That's entire. the, The scale was smashed after that. It's very true. Berryman's funny, at least. I feel well, like yeah. Berryman's very funny whenever he's given a chance to be funny. Is Berryman also in um, Last Action Hero? Am I even a- no, you're thinking of um, Tom Noonan, who's also oh. very distinctive looking it's because he's like eight feet tall. So where are weirdos? Where are America's weirdos now? Who are today's Absolutely. great weirdos? Bashemi. <laughs> yeah, but he's a very prominent. He's not a very convincing serial killer, though, because he looks like he weighs about a buck fifty soaking wet. So, no, the, the last time he did it, people cheered when he lived. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> I mean, people have such high esteem for Buscemi. It doesn't matter what his character is in that movie. I believe 
just child murderer? And they were like, yay, that child murderer lived. And I, my hands almost touched. I almost joined in because I was so joyous. What are you going to do? He causes a reaction. All right. Let's talk about the first time that you saw Cobra. Bromley, what was your introduction into the axe cult of our heart? I was obsessed with seeing this movie as a child uh, to the point that I remember being, let's see, I would have been in like third or fourth grade. I remember drawing the poster in class. I had a copy. I cut out the newspaper ad and was trying to draw the poster because I was obsessed with the little laser sight coming out of his gun. Mm -hmm. Um, And I saw it probably when it came to VHS uh, and and naturally loved it because I'm just inclined to love Sylvester Stallone action movies and canon movies. And I had already, you know, convinced myself I would love it at that age. So it is a movie that uh, I have seen more times than I'm proud to admit. <laughs> I, it's one of those things that garners its own cult, as it were, not to put too fine a point on it, though, because as Gina said, like, Everything looks so distinct to what it is. It doesn't feel like a a lot of other movies, even though it's definitely stealing a lot from Dirty Harry. It doesn't look or act or play out like Dirty Harry. It's definitely trying to be a little bit of a horror movie, which is why we thought it it met the qualification of being, being on here. Oh, it definitely, they want to like, what if we made Dirty Harry, but like with axe murders, you know, and then all of a sudden you got yourself a movie. You you bring in a, a director who is notorious for being kicked around by actors. <laughs> <laughs> but needless to say, like he shoots the hell out of this movie. He shoots the hell out of Tombstone. You know, that rat movie. Say what you will. It is. It's a crazy film. Well, let's let's point out who the director is. It's a George Cosmatos, whose son directed one of the greatest horror movies of the of the of the twenty tens. Yeah. Yes. Yes. One hundred percent. And I thank God. (laughs) I mean, this movie is so glossy, so sweaty, so close up. It's, I didn't see it until years after 86 was a busy theater going year for me, but once aliens came out, I only saw aliens and the fly. That's it. I stopped going to other movies and, and I dedicated myself to (laughs) aliens, the fly. And I saw big trouble in little China once. And that was my calendar year. I think up until Halloween, I just, Everything else went into the background. I was was obsessed. So I came to Cobra, I think years afterward, maybe when I started working in video stores. And I was like, oh, I'd always meant to check this out. And I watched, I'm like, oh my God, this is a horror movie. I would have loved this. And uh, then by then the mystique of it feels instantly dated. But now we're at the point where it's datedness seals it off into its own beautiful cocoon and it emerges as a butterfly that in neon reads 1986. (laughs) (laughs) I I like that. That's uh, that's, that's pretty dead on. And Gina, what about you? Oh, well, I mean, I I mentioned that, that uh, um, though I, uh, you know, 
my family was in limited circumstances uh, during the 80s. We always had, you know, the top of line cable package because mm-hmm. uh, my my father loved television, you know, more than air and water. And so I watched a lot of cable. And there was a time in the late 80s when uh, three action movies were on heavy rotation on your HBOs or your Cinemaxes. And that was, uh, you go back to Dirty Harry, um, Sudden Impact. Mm-hmm. Uh, another one, which I felt, you know, if I watched it now, I'd have to feel, I'd feel like I had to wash my eyeballs afterwards. Hmm. Um, Lethal Weapon, which was probably considered, you know, the best out of the three. I mean, it's all right. It's it's of the of this one in Cobra. I'd much rather. I'm much better happier than going back to Cobra than to Lethal Weapon, and then Cobra. Um, mm. So at least one of them were on at any given time of the day on any given you know day of the week. So I probably started watching this whenever it would have made it onto cable. So you know things took longer to be available for home viewing back then. So probably eighty seven, eighty eight. And yeah, it was for a while. It was one of the big worth it. Hey, Cobra's on. You know, <laughs> I mean, I, I was you know a bit older than than uh, than Bromley was. I was in my late teens by then, and and you know still trying to figure out what exactly my tastes were at that point. And I don't remember thinking that it was a good movie. I remember thinking it was a fun movie, and and yeah. and it still it still is. I mean, I'm you know in in my in my jaded middle years, I, I I see a lot more wrong with it, or you know air quotes wrong with it. Than I did as a teenager, but I still had a lot of fun watching it. Uh, well, let's get right into it. And we start off with a litany of very unpleasant crime statistics. And mostly pulled directly out of Sylvester Stallone's ass. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not entirely sure that these comport either with the time the film was made. They certainly don't comport, comport with what is happening now. What I do know about it is shooting a cameraman won't make those better. <laughs> well, that's his, not, James, that's his James Bond. That's his, oh, that's his that's Bond right. entrance. That's right. Because he's also James Bond. <laughs> in addition to all the other things Cobra is in this movie. It's James Bond. If, if James, he's James Bond of James Bond packed, you know, packed grenades for a weekend away out of town. <laughs> He's just going into Central California to just to chill out. He would just have those grenades on his belt. Uh, again, he might be Batman. Uh, <laughs> and then we cut to after our opening credits. We meet our axe gang, and I immediately noticed something uh, that I love, which is excessive set decoration. Here, the Axe Gang is is meeting in some sort of spark factory. Well, they kind of look, is, at one point, they kind of look like they're in the Lost Boys cave. <laughs> that, and also, it, it's flooded, like the Crystal Lake Research Facility <laughs> from Jason X. They both have faulty plumbing, wherever they are. Yeah, the, 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 the spark, it's a spark factory that's constantly making sparks, and yet no one is working there. No, so that's just, an abandoned that just, spark that factory. That just suggests that the machinery just was just left on, and people just walk out. <laughs> I don't doubt that. Uh, and people don't seem to notice all these different people of various walks of life coming <laughs> in there with two axes, not just one. This is not subtle. When you do, they have a golf bag where they have little cozies on top of the axe, and you get mm. to golf axe gang, and you're like, which one do I pull out today to slam together for five full minutes? Yeah, I, I, I needed to know more about the, the workings of, of this gang. 
I mean, if I ever you know make it out to California, I'm totally going to 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 pitch to my neighbors are dead because mm-hmm. I want to play the guy in a three piece suit to stand there with all the you know <laughs> bikers and 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 you know, you street mutants and he does like ding ding. <laughs> <laughs> Like, how do they recruit? It's like, it's like there's so many walks of life. In well, you there. see, he thought he was going to a Rotary Club meeting, and and you know, so he wandered in. And he's like, all right, I, I think I kind of, I, I like to cut of these guys' jibs. <laughs> Suit guy is my favorite because I just, <laughs> I just imagine him calling home, yeah, honey, go ahead and start dinner without me. I need to make a stop on the way home from the office. Uh, the, the, the gang's getting together for some axe clanking. Don't wait up, <laughs> right? <laughs> First of all, our axes go missing. Now you come home every weekend smelling of sparks and and metal fuse. You're covered in sweat. You're high on Pepsi. (laughs) Honey, it just feels like uh, this is a release for me. Let me have this. I'm not doing anything wrong. But weren't you like, uh, weren't you following the Knights uh, slasher case? No, 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 no. That's not me. I'm not going around in an unmarked van just slicing people up. That's well, the, you know, that's another in, axe gag. In like in like you know, mid eighties Los Angeles, marriage counselors, you know, you know, you had a found it found a niche in counseling couples who, you know, one spouse was a member of you know a, a axe killing gang. <laughs> I mean, listen, I look, grew up in the suburbs here. Every other of my friends had a parent who was in an axe gang looking to start an axe gang. I'm oh, just, so you so you grew up you so you grew up in this uh, dystopian hellscape that uh oh, yeah. that, that Cobra takes place in where oh. where you know a car can be you know, set upon by a bunch of people wielding axes and 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 uh, sledgehammers and absolutely no one hears or sees anything. It happened every other week. <laughs> I mean, I've told the story many times of my mom uh, threatening me that I shouldn't sleep downstairs in the den to watch Saturday Night Live because the the Night Stalker uh, would kill me because he preyed on houses and he would only kill people on the first floor. And if we were near a freeway entrance and we were near the the two freeway, uh, that's how she wanted me not to sleep downstairs because she didn't want me to play the TV too loud. Well, she was trying to really. She was trying to save you from the uh, the uh, the Gene Dumanian years of Saturday Night Live. I mean, your, mother, <laughs> your mother's a thoughtful woman, Patrick, and you should call her when we're done and say thank you, Mom. You know, I will. I will, Gina. You're bringing this family closer together, and I thank you for that. What do you do? Kill by kill it brings people. It brings people together. Uh, let's cut to a supermarket in uh, close to Marina del Rey, uh, Redondo Beach area. It's the kind of uh, time when grown women would sit in uh, coin-operated cars outside of supermarkets. Um, and grown men uh, with no disabilities whatsoever, other than the fact that they have large shotguns under their coats, Park and handicap. I love that. I I love that 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 subtle bit of character development. It's just so. I mean, if you you blink, you miss how how just you know it has so much dimension to to this this marauder with a shotgun that he parks in the handicap spot. This killer uh, will turn out to be uh, character actor Marco Rodriguez. Here, it feels like his face is on too tight. He, he, he walks in and it, it looks like he just, he put it on and he, he just wants some sugar and water uh, <laughs> given to him. Well, here's the thing, you know, here's the thing about this movie as if to, as if to, you know, 
imply there's only one thing is <laughs> this gang, what they call themselves the new world or something like that. Yeah. So they look like, again, a bunch of mutants. The, 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 the closest normal looking person is this, this, you know, this cop who either she's either a cop who joins the gang or a gang that, the, the a gang member that infiltrates the police department is never made entirely clear. And even she's like not terribly convincing as, as a person you should trust because she no. does nothing but scowl the entire time. She's Stocker Channing stunt double. Exactly. And she's yes. got that Kubrick stare going on the whole time whenever she's looking at Brigitte Nielsen's character and nobody notices this. But like they're, you know, these people are walking around in broad daylight in the middle of, of well, it's not even middle, it's Christmas time. But it's not that hot there. And like duster coats and leather, and they got shotguns strapped to their back, and and yet I mean, they're they're doing a terrible job of, of of trying not to get caught, and then and yet no one can catch them. My one of my favorite line readings in this entire thing is, uh, and her character is Nancy Stock, because this Stalk. film is nothing if not subtle. Nancy Stock. She comes up to a woman who they kind of tap with their van, and she does this. Valley girl accent with her. And she's like and, 40. Yeah. It's like, oh, that done a damage. And <laughs> the woman in the car is like, how did you even hit me? Are, have you been drinking? And she, her response is, I have. And she's got like this, like, and you can tell when she's in cult mode, she gets like, like really heavy blue eyed shadow on. <laughs> Oh my God! Very severe uh, lip liner on her. She's like she's the only cult lady cult member, which is which is interesting. Yeah, it's you know how difficult would that to be? But she's here's the thing, Gina. She's not like the other girls. She's a cool axe gang girl. <laughs> she's like the Darla to the rest of the little rascals. <laughs> Yeah, for you know, for them, like there's no girls allowed, but then there's Darla, so she breaks all the rules, and that's what they're all about in the new world. They're warriors of a new world where Pepsi rules, and <laughs> and peanuts are shot with shotguns, and very close up. Um, all I could think during that supermarket sequence where he's blasting away food was that sequence in the jerk where he goes, "He hates these cans. Stay away from the cans." <laughs> Yeah, it takes a long time to actually get around to, to shooting a person. It's it's a lot of mean mugging uh, as he walks in and people go, hey, what's your problem? And then finally he starts shooting up the place. And then, of course, uh, they all the cops surround the supermarket. And for some reason, half the supermarket, the, the patrons freeze in place and never move from that moment on. They're never instructed to do anything. He just kind of, people just go, I, I, I'm not going to move because he's going to shoot me, I guess. Like I said, my, fav- comes down to. my favorite, my favorite guy, I mentioned this already, but he's in the frozen food aisle. Mm-hmm. It's the man in a wheelchair just covering his face. Like, now he won't <laughs> see me. <laughs> I, what I love about that sequence is half the doors are open. So it's filling up with dry ice fog, which is a very common thing in, in a supermarket. And Sylvester Stallone walks down. He don't. He doesn't even walk. He looks like Eddie Murphy dancing sideways, where he kind of like <laughs> he does this thing when he's in the leader of sexual chocolate, where he's got a hanky in one hand. He kind of walks down sideways, but well, he's doing that with a gun. Well, here's it, the thing: jeans in this movie are 
tight. Yes. They they are unflatteringly tight. <laughs> and and, and, uh, I, and I realized that was a, a Luke back then. But mm-hmm. man, oh man, I don't know how he he manages to run. <laughs> and a lot he's, of time he doesn't. He's kind of a you know he's known for being kind of a diminutive guy. I don't think he's ever looked smaller than he does in Cobra. He, yeah, no, yeah, he looks extremely compact. Yeah, which is weird because he's coming off of two movies in which he was demonstrably large. So he's coming off of uh, First Blood Part Two and Rocky Four. Yeah. So this is kind of his triumvirate of, um, in in Rambo, he's going to be the U.S. military, and Rocky, he's going to be our foreign service. And here he's decided to be all of our law enforcement <laughs> and judicial branch all in one. So we this to, is his, to, this is Sly, Sylvester Stallone's America, everybody. We have to talk about for a moment uh, about his uh, his his polar opposite. Uh, was what was his name? Morty, the, the 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 other cop who just didn't. I don't like your ways. Oh. <laughs> Monty, Monty. Yes, Detective Monty, Monty is played by uh, Andrew Robinson, uh, who is good old Larry Cotton from Hellraiser, the uh, the ultimate cuckold, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> who gets cuckolded by a guy with no skin for crying out uh, loud? Right. You can't even outfuck a guy with no skin. <laughs> All right. Hey, yeah, listen, he kind of represents the the pansy liberals who who think you should you know you know, you know, talk a you know, a hostage taker down from a situation rather than like blowing up the entire fucking store. <laughs> and he gets from moment one, we see that almost no one has any respect for him. Art LaFleur and his head <laughs> zoom into this movie. <laughs> he's got the tiniest, I love Art he's got the tiniest little eyes. I love <laughs> They're like two little raisins pushed in the toe. And it feels like there's so much pressure from the amount of head that his eyes are bugging out from inside very two very small slots. And the weird thing is, like, he is a a crazy chameleon because he can appear to be villainous. He can be a cop. He can be a military guy. He can be your dad in the blob. Like, he's very chameleon-like here. And... Uh, he immediately um, says to Monty, like, he's like, oh, we ha- we almost have this situation at hand. And he's like, you know, we- you don't have anything under control. No one likes Monty. He's immediately cast upon as, like, this fucking thorn in everybody's side who might consider, well, like, you know, reading Monty, people right. Monty's like, like, you know, oh, we just want to talk to you. <laughs> he's trying to take a very gentle <laughs> approach to the, to the, you know, the crazed gunman who is blowing up produce. It's like the guy in uh, uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 2 in the pool scene who tries to talk down Freddy Krueger, who's like, hey, 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 <laughs> nobody wants to hurt you around here, right? <laughs> Everything's going to be cool, right? You you with the finger gloves. You be cool, I be cool. And he immediately gets a knife to the gut. I love that guy. Um, <laughs> this This supermarket sequence is... I, I, if you want to, if you like, don't know if you want to watch this movie, if you just watch the supermarket sequence, and you're like, I want to see more of that. That's all this movie is. Oh, yeah. Is that supermarket sequence writ large over and over and over again. Yeah, there's a lot of, good. there's a lot of, uh, I, I don't recommend you watch it with headphones because boy, is there a lot of gunfire. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, uh, this, 
once uh, Sylvester's Cobra, uh, you know, saunters through the freezer aisle like he's up, seducing a crowd. Drives up in his car with a license plate, awesome one. Because of <laughs> course he, of course he fucking does. <laughs> and he also uh, takes a sip of beer because that's what the commissioner is going to want to hear. Well, you shot a guy. Also, did were you drinking when you did it? Eh, I had a I had a warm Coors. <laughs> just because I was thirsty. And then he proceeds to have a very long and supposedly improv conversation with our gunman that feels like it's just, why stop at one rejoinder when you could have five? And that's what this movie becomes is just like rejoinder after rejoinder after rejoinder is if to say, you might have liked Commando, but wait till you see me talk down a shotgun guy and then blow his face off in Cobra. Yeah. And of course the, the uh, shooter is all like, you know, I want the media because of course they, they, they want to, you know, talk to the press, I guess. They, they want to have yeah. their, 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 you know, which you would think that they're going to do that. They'd find you know, more attractive people to, to, to be the face of their actual. <laughs> He is a unique face, though. You have to give him that. Like, he stands out in a crowd, but for not for the right reasons. I just don't, I don't know that I would put him in the um, press corps of the new world. <laughs> I don't know that I would put him in that position necessarily. Um, he has a bomb made of a doorbell buzzer and a piece of pipe. I don't know that, that that's a real bomb. Uh, but he threatens to press the button, but never, ever gets close to it. And then uh, Cobra... Uh, nice him in the chest and then shoots him in the chest a dozen more times and he dies on the frozen beef like a fool he is take that and, and somehow this is only the first five minutes of the movie we're talking about well and then he spins his gun around like tj laser and holsters it and we get the close-up of the cobra on the that's i i like this movie i love cop movies i love 80s action movies but some of the some of the coolness porn in Cobra is a little too much for me to take. And this scene is the, the worst offender in the movie. I think I, I just oh. like that. I just like that. He has his own little personalized handgun, right? <laughs> it's so petite. And also because the snake um, is kind of sideways on, on the butt of the gun, when he sticks it in his pants, it looks like his, the top of his penis is a snake. Bromley. <laughs> that's, that's very deliberate. <laughs> Is that a message that anyone finds appealing? That your your penis is a, a flaring poisonous snake with fangs? I listen, I'm not gonna yuck anyone's yum. All I'm saying is if your pitch to me is I'm gonna fuck you so good you're gonna think my dick is a poisonous snake. Yeah. Then no. No that thanks. Rears up and hisses at you when you get too close. <laughs> I'm going to spit venom at you. No. <laughs> no. I want to hug for a while. Is that okay? <laughs> Fuck. Well, I mean, maybe maybe snakes like hugging. We don't know. You ever try to hug That's a snake? No. no. I haven't even tried. Here I am denigrating an entire animal group when I haven't tried to hug them. Uh, my apologies to all cobras everywhere. I did not mean offense. <laughs> Apology a- accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Q 
Cue the Miami sound machine. If there is anything out of place in this movie, it is the cacophony of weird fucking musical choices highlighted here by the Miami sound machine in a song that can be boiled down to this. You're working too hard. That's it. It's just a phrase they say over and over (laughs) and over and over again, working too hard, trying to make a living. Off the top of your head, which came first? Which came out first, this or Manhunter? Because I feel like oh, one kind of one Manhunter came out first. Then I have to believe because they both they're, came out the same year. Oh, oh okay. wow! So it's probably not likely that it's in the lift, air that they lifted a lot. Because I feel like he saw Manhunter and was like, "Yeah, let's do this. Let's have this weird kind of vaguely new wavy kind of artsy soundtrack." And yet, and then yet, but but then like you have John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. Well, they're definitely both MTV style action movies. Like there is a lot of montage. There is a lot of you know, pop a lot of lot of, lot of you know deep and meaningful close ups. Except in Manhunter, they actually were deep and meaningful. In Cobra, right. it's just you know I could see every pore in your face. <laughs> well, you need to see deep into that face to really know what's going on. It turns out that uh, Cobretti, uh, which is his, his supposed last name. Uh, lives in Venice. Venice is not close to downtown Los Angeles. In this movie, however, they're adjacent. Hmm. You can get there by streets. Well, like I, just- I, I just like that they, they seem to suggest that he just walks away. You know, he has his little tiff with uh, with Detective Monty. And mm-hmm. then he just walks away and just he's just done. He's done for the day. Doesn't have to fill any paperwork. Doesn't have to you know, give a statement about... I mean, I'm not a cop. I don't know any cops. But I, I'm pretty sure... That when you shoot and kill someone, you 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 have to make. I, I think they actually sometimes will put you on leave, yeah. and and you know. But he's just like, yeah, well, my job here is done. They they, they keep talking about that he's on the zombie squad, yes. which which they never actually explain what that is, <laughs> which which is which is funny to me. And then like, well, it sounds cool. We'll say he works the zombie squad. I would assume the zombie squad, and, and please uh, forward any opposing ideas. But it sounds to me like the zombie squad is you work all night on on crimes no one else wants to solve, which is why they have contacts with every uh, tattoo parlor in town. And I'm, I'm just saying at no point has there been a clue that tattoos are a part of this. And yet these two are all over multiple tattoo parlors. Well, no, they do have, I mean, the, the cult members do have tattoos. Yeah, they, but, but they don't know that. Yeah, no one knows no, anything. There's no, I mean, unless like, uh, you know, in a deleted scene, uh, Brigitte Nielsen's character mentions them having a tattoo, but yeah. But, um, you know, he just, he just, you know, you know, another day at the pencil factory and, you know, goes <laughs> home to his little apartment. <laughs> um, a couple things uh, that have been discussed elsewhere, so we won't give them a, a, lot, a lot of talk, is that when he rips off that that lowrider driver's uh shirt that you can see his lav mic taped to his chest (laughs) (laughs) and like do you want to take two on this no moving on uh the other thing is uh that he pulls a pizza out and cuts it with scissors he makes he literally makes himself a smaller piece of pizza Mm -hmm. But what I have not heard anyone discuss is the fact that he takes that leftover pizza, not out of the refrigerator, nope. but out of the freezer. He's eating frozen smaller 
scissor cut. He, and he also side, so. he also stores his uh, his gun killing supplies in an egg carton. Yeah, which, which in I the guess, freezer, which I guess, in the freezer. I guess this is a sort of you know. Well, here's some more you know quirky characterization. <laughs> you know, he he oh. you know has these odd little you know affectations like eating frozen pizza without heating it up. You know? <laughs> we showed yeah. uh, this movie as part of our f this movie fest that we do every year um, last year, and we handed out pizza scissors to everybody. <laughs> <laughs> more people should use them. Um, the other thing that I began to notice at this point in the movie is that he never takes off his gloves, which looks cool, I guess, but also means like he's never washing his hands, but he's also never washing those gloves. <laughs> like he just killed somebody. Imagine how just, damp they are. Uh, yes. He's like sweating through his fucking gloves and then he's touching his food and then he touches other people's food. It's real fucking weird. There's a couple things here for a guy who's supposedly the cure to the disease of crime where you're kind of like Cooper may want to clean up the streets, but his countertops are really fucking dirty. <laughs> like practice what you preach, Cobretti. <laughs> um, the other thing I noticed in his apartment is that he has won the Heisman Trophy. <laughs> uh, which... I had not noticed until I saw it in blue, in HD blue uh, from Shout Factory. And then there's just this rando Heisman trophy hanging out in his bat cave, which comes complete with one of those plexiglass window things where he can mark on it with wax pencil. Right. Like he's like he's in a submarine. <laughs> 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 I like I like the uh, the again very artistic choice of him turning on the television and there's a very joyful old school Toys R Us commercial and then it switches right to a newscast and police are still on the lookout for the murder of 17 people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they the, here's a continuity here's a here's a, uh, a this is a this is a plot hole. It's a plot hole. Uh, they say that it's there's six men, sixteen victims, and then later, mere minutes from then, the actual sixteenth victim is killed. But who fucking cares? Like who, who even knows? Like it's arbitrary. Then and and the, I, I think the funniest thing about that is the news the the news report is designed, edited, however, written in a way. To scare the viewer as much as possible. <laughs> what I like about this axe gang is that they found, you know, like common ground with one another. They could be at the local axe gang meeting. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. They could be at that axe meeting. Everyone should be at that axe meeting because I think they would get a lot out of it. It's, it's it seems like a very a it seems like a very social group. They're they're always together. Like 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 the <laughs> only the only together. person that you ever see by himself is is the the main antagonist. Well, and if you're not there, you miss out on so much, and then you got to read the minutes, and that, it's just that's not the same. I mean, yeah. you know, you, you miss out on signing up for the the the, the bowling party, the, uh, the 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 white elephant gift exchange. It's Christmas time. There's a lot of you know social events at the Acting Club. Yeah, they always do that that uh, unwrap toys for charity thing. <laughs> and if you don't sign up, in time, it's just axes. It's <laughs> a little bit. You know, they they serve they serve you know, their snacks or little axe shaped cookies. 
<laughs> just the boys and girls club just gets this massive palette of axes. <laughs> Do they think that we teach like how to be Paul Bunyan here? What's Do they think we're lumberjacks? I, it's just supposed to be toys, right? <laughs> Policemen still baffled as to the identity of the axe gang, but they just received a giant delivery of axes for tots. <laughs> Representatives for the axe makers of America say that while they do not condone the actions of the new world cult, they do like all the purchases of axes. I mean, the, the local Home Depot just loves them. <laughs> you know, they come in. They come in every few months. They stock up on their axes. They 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 stock up on their sledgehammers. And speaking yeah, well, of sledgehammer, can... he's oh, in this movie. Beautifully done. Oh my god, he is all up in this movie. First of all, he's introdu- introduced during a Gary Wright song. <laughs> Gary Wright, just. The first time I've heard Gary Wright in it not being, you know, his two songs that always get played. This is a completely new composition. He's been uh, back on the charts, everybody. Get ready for the second coming of Gary Wright. (laughs) I have an objection to the way this montage is edited, though. Like, it's fine if you want to just quickly do some cut cut ins to the photo shoot. But they go on for so long before revealing the photo shoot. They they just keep cutting away to robots. And you could do that two or three times and we'll be like, uh, okay, I guess that's going to be something. But this goes on for probably 30 to 45 seconds where they're just cutting away to robots. And it's like, what the fuck is happening? Why am I getting subliminal shots of robots all of a sudden? It's robots and homeless people. And I don't, I don't. That's Los Angeles. <laughs> and, 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 and all Los Angeles was. And prostitutes just hanging around outside in their undies. Oh, if I, if I had any real money, I would pay it to find out what those conversations between those people and Sylvester Stallone actually were. you I'm looking for a guy with an ex. And then everybody just responds to them, like, just shaking their head, like, yeah, I don't know what he's saying. (laughs) (laughs) Just nod politely and maybe he'll go away. Do you know what he's saying? No, I can't. He's got a matchstick in his mouth and I can't understand anything. There's a cobra head sticking out of his pants. (laughs) Is is that what police people do? They just have uh, penis snake guns? I don't think that's... Margaret, I don't think that he's a real cop. <laughs> His partner is constantly eating. <laughs> oh, yeah. He's a real Brad Pitt, this one. <laughs> um, uh, my favorite part in that montage is just it instantly cuts to a giant neon sign that says sex girls. <laughs> sex girls. And there's one guy. Looking at the photos outside of sex girls, like he's shopping for lettuce. <laughs> nope, not not that sex girl. Not that sex girl. I might do something with that sex girl. Is she in tonight? Is is this sex girl in tonight? <laughs> oh man, why do all the robots have big noses? Is that what does that mean? Do robots need big noses? I'm trying to figure out what they're... Do robots need noses at all? I'm trying to figure out what they're selling. Fashion. (laughs) 
You told me last night. I said, what is this fashion shoot for? And you just said, in all caps, fashion. Well, it's, And now, that's it, why she's wearing different wigs. Now I was thinking, I was like, but are they selling the clothes or her series of wigs? <laughs> uh, fashion wigs. <laughs> it's, it's weird, too. There's one shot where she has her normal, her regular actual hair. And that just calls attention to the fact that she's wearing a wig the rest of the movie. It's sitting on top of her hair, which apparently was piled into a bun of some kind because the 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 hair doesn't sit right on her skull. It right. just sits on the outside of it, like if you were wearing a sweater on a sweater. <laughs> we we had to mention here we did mention earlier that uh the heroine, I guess, leading lady is uh her is played by Brigitte Nielsen. And she and Sylvester Stallone eventually apparently met and fell in love on this shoot. And let me tell you, the chemistry behind that between them is blistering. (laughs) She looks annoyed with every interaction she has with human beings. Nevertheless, Sylvester Stallone. Yeah, not not a natural actress. (laughs) God bless. Not a natural actress. No, I don't know what she's in, a natural in, in, of necessarily. In all seriousness, I think she is trying really, really hard. She's putting all of her energy and focus into sounding like she has an American accent, which she does not. No. No, and she's not hiding it well. And I don't know what the... It's not like we're... We I mean, her, na- her character's name is Ingrid Knudsen. There, there's yeah. no need for her to, to, to play down her... Is she German? Swedish? You know, there's no need for her to play, try to play down the accent that only comes out when she's screaming and yelling about something. Uh, she wears a couple different interesting outfits uh, in this sequence. Uh, she wears a one-piece bathing suit. Uh, she wears some sort of uh, country and Western kimono that I really liked with the pink wig. Uh, at one point, she straddles uh, one of those doodle games, you know, where there's an, the ant that you have to put together and you play with your two. Uh, and intercut with this is a a couple great moments. First of all, uh, Brian Thompson is already sweating a lot and, uh, can someone get him some liquid Advil? Oh my God. He, he just like, he, he, he looks ill. What we, what we, what we, what we, what we skipped though was like, I mentioned before that this gang appears to be completely uninterested in not getting caught and yet they're still not getting caught. I, I feel like you know, there's going to be a scene eventually where, like in Seven, where where Kevin Spacey just just literally just walks into the police station covered in blood and, and says, "You're looking for me." I feel like if they do that here, you know, you're gonna have some like you know middle aged cop look up, yeah, take a number, buddy, <laughs> you know? and then just wait because she passes by them in her car on the way to this fashion shoot. And this is during the scene in which they have, you know, we mentioned they've they rear-ended this woman and then set upon her car with, you know, the, the, the most subtle of, of, of weapons, which which I love they referred to them earlier in the news as silent weapons, which, which <laughs> is there anything silent about using a sledgehammer on someone? Because that seems like something <laughs> that'd be pretty noisy. But anyway, yeah. Um, so she's driving by and kind of looking, trying to see what's going on. Brian Thompson walks out in the middle of the street and just stares her down. Yeah. And it's like, again, he is an extremely distinctive looking gentleman. And and he just like, you know, doesn't cover his face. Doesn't like, yeah. you know, and then only after she leaves and they say, oh shit, we got to get out of here. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, 
And yet later when they ask a, a police artist to render his face <laughs> in pencil, it comes out looking like Conan the Barbarian. Did, are, did they put out an APB for Arnold Schwarzenegger circa 1982? I swear I'm innocent. <laughs> I wasn't even that the old pass. I don't use axes, I only use a sword. <laughs> The only uh, I deal with the snake cults, but they have to be giant snakes. <laughs> this, this is really uh, this, this is going to be a tactical feat for this this because all of the uh, Sylvester Stallone impersonations are very close up <laughs> to microphone, and all the Arnold stuff are way back here. I'm not even trying any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, shout out to in that montage to Johnny Shrimp Boat, home of <laughs> shrimp chili. That's what the sign says shrimp chili. But yeah, we shrimp we says the, photog- the fashion photographer is uh is Sledgehammer, the the TV <laughs> character who and you know you have to be of a certain age to hey that's Sledgehammer. Yeah, I'm I'm sure like people have seen him before, but we we're the only group who's going to identify him as, as Sledgehammer. Uh, he has an interesting pitch uh, for her, which is, "Don't sleep with me for me. Sleep with me for your career." I just want to make you happy. <laughs> I just want to make you happy. He's the one person in Los Angeles who would like to make her happy because he's noticed that she never smiles or appears to be excited, nervous. Or have human feelings. She is those robots. <laughs> Just they put clothes on her and she's walking around. Um, oh, man. And he gets uh, axe murdered right away. But he's not the only one in that parking garage. A yuppie guy with very large glasses gets it. Yeah. And then the security guard, the security guard who brings down her purse also gets. I don't know how the fuck they did this stunt. That stunt is wild. They hit him with a van into an elevator shaft. How did they do that and not kill somebody? It is fucking wild. Yeah, it, it's, it's you know, again, in keeping with their their absolute disinterest in, in, in you know, not getting caught, you know, in their, their uh, you know, attempts to kill one witness, they kill roughly about 40 other people in total. <laughs> Yeah, they're not for a lack of victims. I know they get very frustrated that they're not killing Brigitte Nielsen, but look at all of the other people you're killing. It's like they can't see the forest for the trees that they're killing. I mean, at least five people should count for one of her. (laughs) If you stacked them up, they would at least equal her height. (laughs) So you got that going for you. Just the notion that this... This this uh, murder cult bent on anarchy is obsessed with eliminating an eyewitness. Seems like such a flimsy thread on which to hang this entire movie. Yeah, didn't they want to have a fucking press conference? So, <laughs> right. So what are you trying to hide? I, I, I guess the one thing that we should talk about is not only is Nancy Stock a member of this Axe gang, but... In the original version of the script, even as they went into production of filming it, right up until they filmed the, the actual scene, um, that uh, Detective Monty is revealed as the head of the axe. No, 
Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> so I guess that's why they're trying to keep it quiet because they've infiltrated all of these. But they're not trying to keep it quiet. They're like, yeah. they're, they're like shooting up entire small towns. <laughs> I mean, we're not there yet and we won't be in this episode, but as, I mean, he just as like, to the point where they don't keep it quiet, they, they, uh, uh, their ultimate stealth move is to approach with 40 fucking motorcycles. Right. Right, that's what, yeah. Like I was saying, I said that to you in chat last night. It's like, it's like, all right, let's lay low for a little while. Maybe we'll wait till we're seeing black. You know, it's like, they'll never see us coming. <laughs> like, like, yeah. When, when, uh, Brigitte Nielsen, she's in the hospital after she's attacked. So, Brian Thompson's character, I don't think he even, he's even given a name. I think he's just called like the Night Slasher. He's literally credited as like the Night Slasher. Um, yes. So he puts on his disguise, which is, which is absolutely <laughs> just, just so I, I barely recognized him. Um, he, it seems like his mindset in this hospital is, well, I'm here to find this witness and eliminate her. But you know what? While I'm here, I'll co- kill another couple randos. Yeah, I'll, I'll make the best of my time. He he puts uh, a bunch of squid ink or um, that black stuff that they would keep in vials from the X-Files. That's what he <laughs> darkens his hair with at, at Nancy Stock's behest. And she gives him a pep talk of sorts while kissing his bicep. He's like, he's like wearing, again, soaked with, with gastritis sweat. <laughs> wearing for no discernible reason a filthy tank top which i was like why is he, why are they so dirty i don't know like why can't anyone take a shower in the axe cult what does that architect do <laughs> he's part of axe cult does he have to be that sweaty all the time too but yeah so like in, in the hospital he you know he he has this absurd, we haven't even talked about his knife his knife yeah. is like roughly about eight inches long, about five inches wide, and it's got like this like spiked like like hilt, and yeah. it's just it's and he's just like I don't know where he's holding this thing. He just it just like it kind of appears in his hand. And it's like you're not. At you're one not point, getting, he pulls like, it out of the back of his pants, <laughs> like it was tucked in around his butt, and I can't <laughs> imagine anything more uncomfortable than this constantly spiky razor sharp instrument that. He kills one person in a car early in the movie and he kind of jabs it at the camera like he's fly fishing. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like a very weird in, flick of his wrist. While he's in this hospital, which in typical, you know, horror movie fashion, it is it is puzzlingly understaffed. Uh, oh, that's a real Halloween too. So he he, he kills someone to steal their glasses. Then he just, for some reason, kills an old lady like laying in her bed doing nothing in her hospital bed doing nothing, and leaves his mop right. there. And then leaves but, his mop but, next to her head. But yet he spares the sassy nurse in the elevator with him. <laughs> well, she's right. He should take the fucking stairs. Remember the health code. <laughs> Remember the health code. <laughs> Fucker. <laughs> um, there's a whole bunch of health codes being violated in this hospital because. Sergeant Gonzalez and Cobra try to bully uh, Brigitte Nielsen into giving them more details all the while debating what of her hospital meal they're going to eat with their bare fucking hands or in Cobra's circumstance, his dirty ass leather gloves. He refuses to take off. He's picking up individual pieces of lettuce with his 
gloved hand. Well, that is gross. It's in typical, you know, that 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 well-known Stallonesian humor. The uh, the, the the running gag in this is that his partner is obsessed with food. Like I think yeah. I think I think ninety percent of his dialogue has to do with him wanting food of some kind. And. Cobretti Co- saying that he shouldn't eat anything. I, I think there, I think there is else. a scene in which I, I think there really is a scene, you know, where they're, you know, the typical Dirty Harry, you know, where they're standing over the corpse of a victim and the guy's got like, you know, a, you know, a sub sandwich, like just dropping crumbs on the, on the person's <laughs> <on> the corpse. <laughs> There's a real missed opportunity here for him to take that piece of lettuce and then whip out a pair of scissors and cut off a smaller piece of lettuce. This turns out to be some sort of weird, like OCD thing where he has to like, right. he has to like cut his food down into smaller, you know, you know, portions. A couple minutes later, when they actually take Brigitte Nielsen out of the hospital to go to the safe house, he's eating an apple uh, with his gloved leather hand. Yeah. <laughs> And he is obviously eating the entire outside layer of the apple, and then he offers it to her. <laughs> and she's like, no, thank you. Like, well, you, you don't like health food? <laughs> health food? It's an apple, you asshole. I mean, it's healthy, yes, but it is not quote-unquote health food. It's just an apple that you've mostly eaten and now offered to somebody else, you grosso. Um <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, oh, the thing we also had so, to the thing we also had to mention is that the thing with Officer Stalk, and I don't know how I missed it before that her name is Stalk, which is which is wow, that's that's subtle. Great, great job, mm-hmm. Sly. Um, mm-hmm. Is like it's not a, it's not a twist or anything. It's not a it's not a, a a you know surprise reveal. You know she you know from the beginning you know oh she's in the cult, and you know. Because there's only you know six cops in this entire police squad in Los Angeles, you know, you know as luck would have it, she's the one and she's a cop assigned to go along with them, you know, while they take Brigitte Nielsen to the safe house. Which makes more sense if Detective Monty is a part of the gang, and right? Right. That that would make more sense if they had followed the script, but they all decided at the very last moment he shouldn't be. Because the actor did not want to sit in the makeup chair and have a tattoo put on his chest. <laughs> Is that true? Yeah, that saved me three out. Yes. He goes, it always bugged me. And we're sitting around. We're waiting up in Lake Piru to film it. And all I'm thinking about is how long it's going to take for them to actually paint this tattoo on my chest. And I say to the director and the director of photography and Sylvester Sloan, You've just killed 40 people. What's the point of another reveal? Just punch me out. And Sylvester's only, yeah, it's a good idea. Let's do that. And that's what they did. They just punched him out. You know, I I, I agree. You know, it's it's a stupid ending, you know, with the punching out. I I think that the having him be, you know, the head of the cult is even stupider, but I actually kind of love the idea too. (laughs) I I, I just. What's one more stupid thing? I I just wish they would have gone full tilt with with it. Um, so after they get this sketch, uh, Cobra decides, I have to go check this against all of the other photo records that I have at my apartment. So he doesn't go to the LAPD. His bat cave in Venice apparently has a computer and a bunch of <laughs> photo shows. And he's going through these photos one by one and then just tossing them. This is not a filing system. This is what I'm saying. You want to clean up the streets? You gotta, you gotta practice what you preach, bro. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, there's this mayhem um, at the hospital. Uh, we talked about how uh, how terrible uh, uh, Brian Thompson is is at uh, uh, <laughs> drifting into the background of everything. Not being seen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, he's seen no matter where he is. And yet they can't uh, find so, him. No, they cannot find him. They can't find anyone related to it. But uh, three Axe Gang people uh, attack Cobra at his apartment, and he shoots them all so that he can't ask them any fucking questions. <laughs> <laughs> Which, you got to leave one guy alive to ask some questions, dude. Come on. And yet, like, nobody, uh, nobody, like, he, he lives in, like, an apartment complex. And yet, yes. like, nobody, like, peeks out the window. Nobody's, like, you know, I mean, even in... in a lot of like you know 80s you know, action thrillers crime dramas there's always that you know the old lady like peeking out the door they like quickly closing the door there's no it's a ghost town yeah at least in tango and cash uh in the middle of a car chase someone pops out topless because they're having sex in a parked car you see that the world's populated with other people i like what, what i favorite one of my you. favorite bits in uh in um uh ghostbusters is when uh i think this is when uh Lewis is taking is taken over and turns into a slow throw or whatever, and mm-hmm. and uh, no 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 it's when the when the, the creature shows up and the old lady opens the door she does, she does a little like ah and like closes the door <laughs> that's like my favorite part in the whole in the whole movie. <laughs> oh wow, um, I do like how uh, Night Slashers uh, he manages to find the largest pieces largest uh, pair of Sally Jesse Raphael glasses to put on. And again, it, it, it's um, absolutely convincing disguise. I would have never n- realized it was him. It's like, a, he's a real Clark Kent. That one. He just <laughs> really disappears. Uh, the next day, Cobra is reprimanded uh, uh, by Art LaFleur and the Scorpio killer. <laughs> and what appears to be NBC Chicago dad season two. <laughs> uh, I should explain this for Bromley. Uh, we did uh, Fear No Evil, and in the middle of Fear No Evil, this guy shows up at a bar uh, who apparently is in his own show called NBC Chicago Dad. So we just decided to name that. So every time we come by a character actor who appears to be from Chicago, we will be referring to them as Chicago Dad. This is season two. <laughs> Not much happens here, but I, again, a lot of this would have been... Uh, explainable if you know if Detective Monty ended up being in charge of the act call, but that doesn't happen. Uh, it must have been really difficult uh, for the director of photography in this movie with Sylvester Stallone deciding to wear mirrored sunglasses every scene he's in that he can. Oh yeah, the camera, uh, the camera's just... always to the kind of sort of to the side of him a little bit. Yes. Uh huh. You can't line right up. You'd see the camera. It's ridiculous. (laughs) So they decide to transport Brigitte Nielsen to this safe house. And immediately after they exit the hospital, you can see people are following them. They're up to no good, including one guy from the Axe Gang who has longer-ish hair but no sideburns. And that is not... That that is not a way to blend in, everyone. <laughs> no, no, you need no, I, some I, I, kind of sight. I can't. I can't. You know. I I can't emphasize enough that that these people, you know, are 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 doing nothing to 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 you know kind of 
it, it, it's hilarious to me because they're they, they're so they just disappear into the night. Yes, on their motorcycles <laughs> with their sledgehammers and their axes, they're just disappearing. They're they're just lurking around the shadows unseen. And they just blend instantly. Like even fucking Vulcans have sideburns, dude. Come on. <laughs> they're goddamned aliens for crying crying out loud. So Gonzalez and Stock are they're, they're taken out by a camper truck. And then we're into a massive car chase that I'm happy to report was filmed in my very own backyard. That's right. The vast majority of this car chase happens in old downtown Long Beach. You see, I, so, the only, the only, the only claim to fame I can make is that again, bringing up John Cafferty and the Beaver Brown Band. Which how many how many podcasts in two, two, two in twenty twenty are mentioning John Cafferty and the Pure Brown Band? No, it, multiple times. In all serious, in all seriousness, uh, Eddie and the Cruisers. Do anybody remembers that movie with me? Of course, was uh, was actually filmed in my hometown. So, and boy, that was a big deal. This is going to certainly put us on the map. <laughs> Did you guys erect a statue of Michael Pere? <laughs> <laughs> there was, a, there was a, a fundraiser. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the dark side? Of the uh, yeah, on the dark side. Yeah, yeah. As I had really pull for that. Yes, one. It just, just, it just um, poor, poor man's Bruce Springsteen is sufficient. <laughs> Turns out, spoiler alert: he ain't dead. Um, so. Uh, you get to see everything in old downtown Long Beach in this sequence. You get to see movie theaters that were bulldozed 20 years ago, exploding hot dog carts, uh, the old city hall that no longer exists, the entrance to the 710 freeway, a machine gun that shoots grenades <laughs> by the look out of it. He destroys that camper truck with just a machine gun, it literally explodes like it was shot by a phaser. There's a point where he's driving the car down the highway backwards and yeah. shooting out the window of the machine gun. <laughs> For whatever reason, only superficial damage seems to happen to his awesome 50s car, but everyone else's car is destroyed by his bullets. Uh, but it's very pre-Fast and Furious, I think this is probably the first time I ever saw nitrous used uh, as a thing oh, in yeah. a movie, uh, which you now see all the time in Fast and the Furious movies. I mean, this is this should be in the Fast and the Furious universe. Like Cobretti should he, join. Is the, he like? The is he like? Maybe he's like Vin Diesel's character's dad. Oh my god! Can you imagine the dialogue between those two? <laughs> <laughs> It just drops so it just drops so low after while your speakers just vaguely vibrate a little bit. (laughs) All subwoofer. (laughs) Every every conversation. (laughs) Then in between scenes, you just see a secretary making check marks to how many times they've been hit versus how many times. Yeah, right, 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 right. (laughs) Oh man. Um multiple times in this car chase. Cobra's car flies. I don't just mean it comes off a jump. That happens too. But when they're driving down an alley off of Ocean Boulevard, his car approaches another vehicle and then just appears to fucking levitate over it as if they don't need where they're going. They don't need roads. (laughs) It just launches into the fucking sky. 
Yeah, I was too busy. I was too busy <laughs> noticing that, in, and he did this in uh, in Rambo too. The the using a machine gun one handed, yeah, which you cannot do. That's no, it, it, it is physically impossible to to you. Oh, you could probably fire a machine gun one handed, but you're not <laughs> aiming it at the same time. <laughs> you know, if your arm just doesn't go flying right off your body. Uh, you're just going to be just just frantically firing bullets in all directions. No, it's it's making a lot of uh, assumptions that do not comport with reality. Then again, like that car says, like it's it's a low rider. It is very low to the ground. It can't make this many jumps. And yet, when they mysteriously teleport from Long Beach to Venice to go over the canals, you know, shout out to. Uh, a nightmare on elm street uh the very first one which also has an inexplicable venice canals cameo his car should be destroyed just in tatters and yet it manages to go through that it manages to launch off the second level of a parking garage <laughs> with zero <laughs> problems whatsoever uh and then finally uh they land at the port of long beach and he runs into a boat that's it <laughs> Is is this uh, the longest car chase ever, or or, or, or is it still being, oh, is it still bested by like the French Connection? Oh it, yeah, uh, bullet certainly beats it by a country mile. But there, but uh, there, yet ironically, there's more bullets in this in this scene in this car chase. <laughs> more bullets than bullet. What are you gonna do? Uh, yeah, I think I think the car chase uh, in the Deadpool where Dirty Harry races a, a tiny car, <laughs> a tiny remote control car. That might actually be longer than this. I saw that. I is, saw that in theater. Oh, I saw that in the theater too. I sure as shit did. <laughs> You're damn right. And I was confused. <laughs> Remember when like Jim Carrey like supposed to be like a sexy rock star? <laughs> uh, I mean, even uh, it is just. He was Literally, so he was literally supposed saying. to be like Axel Rose, if, if like memory serves, yeah. wasn't he? <laughs> no, he's he's portraying basically he's 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 uh you know doing the uh, a lip sync to Welcome to the Jungle mm-hmm. in the middle of The Exorcist, which is also not a thing that goes with it. But okay, we'll get to that one eventually. Oh. <laughs> We're gonna have to. Because that is also a movie that wants to be a horror movie yeah. somehow. We, we've got Cobra. We've got First Power has to be on this list. Yeah, with another very distinctive looking. Uh, uh, I used to think they were the same actor, but they're not. They're two different actors playing yes. the playing the villains in this. But they also get that very ridgy face. I'm not even really sure how you would even describe it. <laughs> ridgy is good, actually. Ridgy. Yeah, like they have like extra bones in their faces. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> they got they got ten bucks worth of bones in a five dollar face. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's a that first power movie is also another one where Lou Diamond Phillips wears a duster in Los Angeles constantly, mm-hmm. and in a loop but looser pants. It, they're oh, they're pleated with belts. Thank God. Cause man, the, the the tightness of those pants was, and, and you know, you put them on thinking, yeah, yeah, I look great. I'm like, mm. oh, I look great. But the point of tight pants like that is to see that butt. We never get to see that butt at any point. We we do no we do shot. get to see a lot of his size six boots though, so that's kind of <laughs> nice. 
he is one of the few action heroes in heels. So before <laughs> V.I. Wachowski came onto the scene a couple of years later, he, he's, uh, uh, it, yeah, he, he makes some real crazy, you know, costume decisions. Uh, when he directed the staying alive, he has a, a Hitchcock cameo in there where he, he walks past, um, uh, what's his face? Travolta. <laughs> Travolta walking down the street and he is dressed like Craven the Hunter. <laughs> it's just, the only thing missing is a fucking spear in his hand. It is the craziest goddamn thing. But there are other people in the movie also dressed like Craven the Hunter. It's like someone got in their head. Furs are in everyone. They're like, all right, <laughs> bring in the giant fur coats. Let's all wear them. Uh, so that pretty much does it for uh, this section of Cobra. We're, we're, we have a whole other half of the movie, which is mostly a car chase left to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but before we go, uh, let's play a little choose your own death venture of all of the, the many deaths in this movie. Uh, which one would you choose to, to die by? If you were forced to uh, up for bid, we have shot, shot, <laughs> Shot, shot, knife, axe, axe, knife, shot, shot, knife, axe, shot, knife, axe. So it's really, it's a location thing. Do you want to get shot? Do you want to get knife? Do you want to get axe? Or you just want to be in a car that explodes? Well, there's also, you know, getting, getting, you know, hit by a van and flung into a, an elevator shaft. Uh, that's very, very true. So, uh, Patrick, you're the guest of honor. Uh, what, what, which way do you want to go out? Um, in honor of uh, the Clash song of the same name, I will get shot in the supermarket. <laughs> uh, <laughs> any particular aisle? Do you want to go out in the freezer? <laughs> Do you want to go out in the butcher's area? Do you want to go out by the fruits and veg? Oh, gosh. I mean, the health conscious part of me says fruits and veg, but I'm going to say canned goods. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's a prettier that way. Yeah. I, get, I feel you. Uh, Gina, what say you? Uh, I, too, am going to get uh, shot in the supermarket, and I'm going to pick the on-screen variation of my corpse being flung into a Christmas tree. Because <laughs> it's, it's just dramatic, and, and, and when I go, I want it to be dramatic. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to go out being dragged under a hospital bed when I discover an old woman is sleeping next to a bloody mop. <laughs> um, also... Uh, why does he need a mop? All the hallways are carpeted in a hospital. Ew. What is he mopping? <laughs> Yikes. I know. Carpeted hospital hallways. Mm. That's a choice. <laughs> um, there we go. Uh, that's that's the way it works. All right. Uh, so much more to talk about, Cobra. But before we get to that, of course, uh, Patrick, uh, where can people uh, find you in this world and hear more from you and what you're doing? Oh, gosh. I'm over at uh, fthismovie.com every day, and we put out a podcast once a week or on Twitter at fthismovie or my own Twitter, which is at Patrick Bromley. Excellent. Do it today, people. Uh, I love F This Movie, and I, as, as I always say to you, I, you're one of the bastions of people who loves movies and your love of the art form. Uh, a chastises me for being such a cynical dick and two makes me check out movies that i might have written off or not given a fair shake oh. and i feel that you guys do that in 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 an abandon and i love hearing you on other podcasts as well when i just feel like 
there are groups of people who love the art form so much that when they talk about it, they make you want to love this thing that you say you love. Oh, well, thank you. That's so nice of you to say. <laughs> it's very, very true. It's, it's an attitude I aspire to have and probably don't give off. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love Cobra, and yet I've spent the past hour uh, making a mockery of it because I mock what I love. Uh, Gina, where can people find you on this here internet? I am a writer at The Spool. That's uh, thespool.net. Uh, I am currently recapping episodes of HBO's The Outsider. Um, mm. And then uh, you can also check out my own website, which I talk about uh, old TV and movies and pop culture. Um, that's GinaRadcliffe.com. And I, too, am on Twitter under Porcelain72. Do it today. People will check it out. Of course, you can catch up with us on Twitter at Kill by Killpod. We have the Facebook group and page so you can talk about things in more detail. We're occasionally on Instagram at Kill by Kill Podcast. And of course, there is our Patreon account, which is no longer 18 plus. So no more dick pics from me. Put your, clothes, now put your clothes back on. We're family friendly. I, I've told people for a very long time on this podcast, I do it in the nude because I love my body. <laughs> Well, it's and not a video. can't it, see it, it's you not should a, feel it. It's not a video podcast, so we're, we're okay there. <laughs> we're safe. <laughs> uh, and so uh, what's happening on the Patreon front, Chino? Uh, we have two new patrons, um, G.I. Joseph and our friends at the Off the Cups podcast. Uh, thank you. Uh, we just um, released our latest episode, um which was uh, the very, very entertaining murder party. Um, that was our bi-monthly uh, You Pick the Movie uh, episode, which uh, for patrons at the $10 level, they get to give us a movie that we'll talk about. And uh, it's mostly gone pretty well. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed Murder Party. I'd, I'd heard that it was good, but I didn't know how good. And we just had a blast watching it. It was fantastic. Um, coming up next month, we've got... The seduction. Oh yeah, for for Valentine's Day, for lovers. <laughs> that sounds sexy. So <laughs> sexy. Talking about a movie that is sweaty, uh, we seem to specialize in sweat here, uh, because that movie also has a ton of sweaty people in it. And, and yet, most of the time when I'm recording, I'm actually very cold. No, I try to keep it frigid in here, uh, but it's gonna heat up, baby. You better believe it. Uh, and then hopefully we might have something special for Gen Pop on Valentine's Day too. So keep a lookout for that. We're gonna have more Cobra. Uh, oh God, we're gonna talk about the remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. <laughs> I love how your voice just like we're gonna have more Cobra, and then we're gonna talk about the Nightmare. <laughs> remake of Nightmare on Elm Street. And then we're gonna, yeah, then we're gonna take our fucking castor oil. Um, <laughs> The more I think about it, just like fucking one and done that bad boy. I don't it's just, I, I feel like I were kicking a dead and horse. And it's just going like, to be like, a, you know, an hour and 10 minutes of fuck this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. And it didn't, I thought I had all the Nightmare on Elm Streets in the Blu-ray pack. They don't even include that piece of shit in there. So now I got to buy that. I have to purchase that. I'll just rent it. That's what I'm going to do. I guess if we're one, you can rent it for literally like three dollars on YouTube. Mm. The movie you can get for three dollars <laughs> on YouTube. 
Put it on the poster, everyone. <laughs> That's your pull quote. <laughs> <laughs> well, your Rotten Tomatoes verified. Hopefully we get that, that up on its uh, score soon. Uh, so that does it for us. So uh, until next time, for myself, for Gina, and for Patrick, bye-bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.